Hello and welcome to the Thursday edition of Unqualified Analysis. We are your hosts, Zach and Caleb, and today we've got a good show for y'all. We're going to start with a little bit of Monday Night Football. We've got Browns vs. Steelers, one of the good rivalries of the NFL. After that, we're going to take a deep dive into the playoff picture because, as some of you might know, we only have one week left, so everything comes down to this. And with this final week, that means a final week of quick picks. It's all official after this one. Oh, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but I got some wild ones out there, man. I'm making a push for it at the end here. We're certainly going to have some great analysis for you. We're going to go ahead and start with the Browns versus Steelers. So, I want to start with the bad for the Steelers. Um, Big Ben, not good. I think I saw that at one point he was like 15 of 26 and had like... 80 yards passing i'm not sure if he passed for more than 200 yards total despite having like 40 attempts um this could have been a better game i think for the quarterback yeah but the thing is little little uh little silver lining here i believe he is the first qb to attempt over 40 passes have less than 150 yards and still win the game. Didn't even matter. They still won by Legendary. still won by double digits in the end here. I think the entire team was kind of on the same page here to where it was just like, uh, yeah, we're gonna win this one for Ben. Uh, which as a football player, I totally get that. All the uh, all the stuff about his character that people have been saying. I, I don't know about all that stuff, but uh, but uh, yeah, as far as the football is concerned, great dude. Uh, the rest of the team played really well though. Uh, Najee Harris and T.J. Watt in particular uh, put the team on their back. Harris had the best game of his season and his career thus far just short of 200 yards rushing 188 with uh 6.7 yards per carry and uh I think he had a pretty nasty stiff arm to uh pass uh who is it Franco Harris for the rookie record for the Steelers yep. uh rushing yards so yeah congrats to him big game for the Steelers so uh, staying with the running backs uh did you see Nick Chubbs uh stiff arm <laughs> So he went around oh, the outside, the most and he just slammed that dude to the ground. It looked like he was like Leonard Fournette playing in Pee Wee football kind of vibes there. Like, that was, as you said, the most disrespectful performance I'd ever seen. But, yeah, props to Najee Harris. Your knees are probably going to explode in three or four years, but at least you're going out on a high with almost 200 yards, and the Steelers are barely staying in that playoff hunt. The biggest reason, I think, for that has to be the duo of Cam Hayward and TJ Watt. And for TJ Watt in particular, he's he's got to be the defensive player of the year at this point. He had four sacks against a Browns line that's been pretty good this whole season that just kind of unraveled to all that pressure today. And now he's only one sack behind Michael Strahan for the record, so... He gets a sack and a half against the Ravens. He'll have sole possession of the official sacks record. I think it's two for the, like, unofficial record, though, because, like, they didn't record sacks until, like, 1980. Yeah, and I assume fucking Deacon Jones had one of those seasons just smacking Lyman upside of the head to get him out of the way. I think it was uh, Smith, because he owns the, like, total sack record, too. Yeah, I think the crazy thing about Bruce Smith is like he played 20 seasons, had 200 sacks. The dude averaged 10 sacks a season for 20 seasons. That's fucking insane. But back to to Watt here, I mean, his numbers are insane. 21 and a half sacks in 14 games. He's still got one more to go after this too. Even with the extra game, it doesn't even matter because he's played 14 games. This is a legit, legit record. He's having one of the greatest defensive line seasons of all time. 
and low-key, we'll talk about him a little bit later. It's overshadowing a really good season from Aaron Donald over there in, uh, in L.A. as well. But I think going into the next game, the Steelers are going to basically make a point to get Watt those sacks, if nothing else. Try to win first and foremost, but they're going to try and move him all over the place to get that sack, I bet. On the Brown side, it was kind of the same old situation for Baker Mayfield. Um, he's about to go into his, I think next year's his contract year, and he didn't really have a good game this week. But I mean, I guess things are just kind of against him for the rest of the way because the line just had a bad game. He's been injured basically this entire season, and it's just been ugly for him. You see that last sack that Watt had on him too. I mean, he fucking drove him through the ground, man. It yeah. was it was vicious. So I mean, he's really he's to a point where his season is pretty much done. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later on. But sticking with the the Steelers for a second, because honestly, the Browns in this game were just a little bit sad and a little bit perplexing. Sticking with Baker Mayfield more than Nick Chubb, who has carried the team the entire year. But the Steelers, first and foremost, here, I mean. What a what a game from the defensive line overall. Like outside yeah. of Watts' performance, they had five other sacks. Like they absolutely dominated that Browns offensive line that we've talked about all season as one of the the best units in the entire league. For them to get dominated like that, I mean, you might want to be worried going into next season because they weren't down like any starters last night. The Browns are one of those teams, I feel, that there's no glaring weaknesses on the team. It's kind of hard to figure out this is a position where you need to fix if you want to get better. Like, there, I feel like there are some teams like that, like for the Rams, like their offensive line, right? Like for the Saints, get some wide receivers, just some general playmakers for them. Um, for the Vikings, probably like a quarterback difference, right? Um, but for the Browns, it feels like overall, it's a pretty complete unit. And really, it's a lot of creating difference in margins whether that's through like a quarterback maybe getting some depth in that line if that needs to happen um maybe some like secondary help i guess because the thing is they're all really young and they do have a young coach so you kind of have to just run it back i feel with the browns but i feel like we've been saying that for two or three years at this point with the browns it always feels like there's just a piece or two missing and i tell you i came into this season I remember very distinctly saying if they don't get, like, at least 10 wins this season, it was a complete failure. And they, if they don't make the playoffs yep. at that, it's, like, a total failure. And both of those things ended up happening. Um, overall, I really don't know where they end up going after this. We'll get into it uh, a little bit later. I have a bit of a proposition going forward for them. But, uh, yeah, I think that's about all the juice we can squeeze out of the Monday night game. So uh, let's take a look at the playoff picture, shall we? So with the playoffs... We officially had the Dolphins eliminated. Rest in peace to you little Finn boys. 1-7 and seven to Super Bowl Dream is officially dead, which you hate to see. You were certainly entertaining. Joining them are five other teams for a total of 14 ineligible teams. We have had five spots officially marked for the AFC and six officially marked for the NFC. So we have three spots in total remaining. Um, let's stick with the Steelers, actually, because they have a shot. Both them and the Ravens have a shot. If the Colts lose to the Jaguars, they are out of the playoffs, just straight up. Because what's going to happen is either the Chargers or Raiders are going to be in. Maybe both if they tie. But, I mean, 
Dude, that's a win-and-in situation on Monday Night Football, which is about as good as it gets. And if those Colts do lose to the Jaguars and those two teams don't tie, the winner of the Ravens versus Steelers will be in the playoffs, which is crazy to think because the Ravens have been on a five-game slide. The Steelers have been very mediocre for pretty much the entire season, and we could still see one of them reaching in as the seventh seed in the AFC. I'm just looking for all the chaos in the world at this point going forward because, I mean, I don't I don't have a dog in the fight. At this point, I'm just looking for the Saints to get in if for no other reason than we have a, a, a team to root for as, right. a, as a pod going forward. But, uh, I mean, anything can happen going into this final week, especially in the AFC. You talked about it. There's five teams vying for two spots. I mean, the amount of scenarios that can come out of this, especially with the, uh, the Chargers-Raiders in that last game in particular – I mean, I think it's just going to be a really fun Sunday overall. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, one funny scenario is that the Titans, Chiefs, and Bengals have all clinched their divisions, but the Bills have not yet clinched the division. So if the Bills lose and the Patriots win, then the Patriots will end up getting the division and being a top four seed. Well, I was fucking around with the playoff machine because, hey, we love to see some chaos, right? We like to see some funky results. If the Chiefs, the Titans, and the Bills all lose and the Patriots win this week, the Patriots will be the number one seed in the playoffs. Could you have imagined that happening after what has happened in the past even three or four weeks? Not at all, but I mean, that's just a classic Bill Belichick team to really just kind of fly under the radar and then all of a sudden have the number one seed at the end. I mean, they've been vying for the division lead all season pretty much, but... You gotta, you gotta think. I mean, I feel like people have not necessarily written them off, but they're a boring team to watch. So I don't feel like a lot of people are, are talking about them. But going into the playoffs, I feel like they have as good of a team as anybody. It's really just a matter of how good is that rookie QB in his first year, because that's really the the what's going to get you from point A to point B and determine how far you make it in the playoffs in the end. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots are the team that if they get behind early, they're probably not going to win. They have to have a solid start to the game, at least keep it close heading into the end of the game. If a team gets out 14 points even, then it's probably going to be pretty rough. So I don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with like the Chiefs, especially maybe even the Bengals. But it will be interesting to see as they'll probably be the fifth seed if I had to guess. For them to win, they have to really control the pace of a game and they have to front run from the beginning. They're a team that, I mean, with Mac Jones, you want to get as much of a lead as possible and make it so you, you give him easy enough decisions as a rookie because in the playoffs particularly, there's, there's some things that those defensive coordinators have been saving all season just in case they made it to this point for this particular quarterback I'm betting. So you got to really, really put yourself in a good position to have a chance of winning going forward. But they have a team that can do that with that three-headed monster in the backfield. Yeah, but I mean, you also think some of these teams, they haven't faced the entire season, right? Like, I don't think they faced the Chiefs. I don't believe they faced the Bengals or the Titans either. Um The Bills, they have faced, but even the Bills showed that things aren't always so obvious as... They lost one in dominating fashion, essentially, um, in their stadium and then went to the Patriots. And honestly, it wasn't even close in the complete opposite way where the Bills ended up handily winning. So we don't really know what to expect out of these Patriots. What we can expect is that in the NFC, the Packers are the favorites. I think at this point, it's 
as clear as possible that the Packers are the best team in the NFL entering postseason play. They are the only team to clinch the number one seed. They could rest all their starters, though I do expect them to play maybe a couple series just so that they don't get too uh, sluggish because they'll be in a two-week buy scenario, essentially. Um, but the Bucks and the Cowboys have also clinched their divisions, which leads the Rams and the Cardinals into a dead heat. The Rams actually do have a one-game lead over the Cardinals, but since the Cardinals have swept the Rams in the regular season, they actually would own the tiebreaker. So if the Rams lose but the Cardinals win, then the Cardinals would end up having the wild card. But if they have an equal performance or the Rams win and the Cardinals lose, then the Rams will end up having the division. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out since they're going to play at the same time this week too. A lot of close uh, divisional races in the NFC this week. Uh, maybe not as much like actual chaos going on as there is over in the AFC, but still a lot of interesting games. I like how the NFL kind of stacked the Rams and the Cardinals at the same time, so they couldn't kind of like they couldn't kind of like base what they're doing off of what the results of the previous game were or anything like that. No, they're both being forced to keep all their starters in there. So I do think like there's going to be a lot of good games because. Many of these games are like playoff-esque scenarios. It's win or go home in, in many of these, so should be fun to watch. Yeah, and to add to them playing at the same time, the Rams are playing the 49ers, and we mentioned in the last podcast, if the 49ers lose and the Saints win, then the Saints will be in the playoffs instead of the 49ers. That's going to add just another layer to that as well, as it's going to be just completely murky for that entire scenario. And it makes it even funnier because of the seven seeds that or of the six seeds that have clinched in the seven total teams, the one through five teams have all clinched and the seventh team has clinched in the Eagles because they own the tiebreaker over the Saints. Hmm. But the 49ers actually lose the tiebreaker to the Saints, I think because of uh, interconference or maybe it's interdivisional record. I'm not sure what exactly it is. But if they have the same record, the Saints are better than the 49ers for playoff seeding. So it's just a little funny quip for the 49ers to have a little extra layer of complexity. I just I, I just leave leave it to everybody else to do the calculations on the uh, the playoff scenarios, honestly, because it gets so confusing after yeah, a Yeah, I just point. use the playoff machine. I, thankfully, that one's very simple. The Patriots' mm -hmm. number one seed was one I thought might have some uh, potential, but that one did take me a second to figure out. But that one's very possible as well. The Patriots one seed is spicy. I honestly want to. I honestly want to see that happen just for the week of media. Just the, right. the sullen, the sullen pundits being like, "God damn it, this isn't fair." Honestly, how about you go ahead and lead us off with the Chiefs versus Broncos then, heading into our Week 18 previews. Oh, why not? I mean, we got the Chiefs going to the Broncos here. This is a game that, I mean, if Teddy was playing, I would have had the Broncos. And really, before the podcast, assuming that Teddy was going to play, I picked the Broncos, full disclosure. But shortly after drafting this whole thing up, Teddy was placed on IR. So yeah, Drew Locke is going to start this one. Uh, the Broncos are facing a huge uphill battle in that circumstance. And I think this is still a game where the Chiefs have stuff to play for. So I mean... Might be a game where the Chiefs end up running away with it. What do you think, man? Yeah, um, that does bring up a good point. One note that I did miss in the playoffs is that the Titans have not clinched the number one seed. But if the Titans win, they will. But if they lose and the Chiefs win, the Chiefs will have the number one seed. So 
I think the Chiefs have a very good chance of taking this. Mile High is always a tough place to play. And I mean, when it comes to divisional rivals, you never really know. But I think one of the biggest things here is going to be motivation. The Broncos are already out of the playoffs. Vic Fangio might be a lame duck coach at this point. They don't have their starting quarterback in. But the Chiefs, on the other hand, still have everything to play for. They are the first team to play this entire week before everyone else plays on Saturday. And they have a chance at the number one seed. So I think with that, they're going to get it going really quick. Look for Pat Mahomes to throw like an 80-yard bomb to Tyree Kill in that high-altitude, thin-air environment. Hopefully their defense can... uh, procure something interesting and this might not even be close to be honest and that Chiefs offense ever since that that slow start has really really been shredding teams of late here uh it's it it is like I was saying kind of sad that Teddy isn't playing here because I think this really could have been a very good game but I mean like you said with Fangio probably on his way out the door Starting QB out, you got Drew Locke in there. The Chiefs are really looking to tune up and still possibly get the number one seed. Uh, Yeah, I feel like this is not even going to be remotely close. The Cowboys versus Eagles might be close because I think the Cowboys might start resting some starters. Um, I could be mistaken, but I'm not even. I don't think they can even move up in seeding. I think they're stuck at the fourth seed because they've already lost to the Buccaneers, so they lose that head-to-head tiebreaker. And I think whichever NFC West opponent uh, ends up winning the divisional game uh, actually has the tiebreaker over them as well. So there's nothing for them to play for. On the Eagles side, they are already in the playoffs. They could move as high as the sixth seed if the 49ers lose, but that doesn't really have anything to do with them because if the 49ers lose, the Saints will be in. So this might be a kind of sloppy one. I do think for the Cowboys, though, it's important for them to start those players, even if they have nothing to play for, because you need to make sure that Dak gets into a rhythm and maybe see if you can come up with some answers for what we mentioned earlier of maybe Trayvon Diggs actually being a liability instead of being a very explosive playmaker. And I believe just today that Micah Parsons went on the uh, the COVID list. I think with the new rules, he can test out before game day, but that's something to watch coming into this as well. I think the Eagles, especially with the way that they've played this year, with the way Sirianni has coached them, it feels like they play basically everyone close, even in games where they've lost. So, I mean, worst case scenario in a divisional game at that, at home, I feel like the Eagles should give the the Cowboys a run for their money. And you talked about it before. There's not really a whole lot to gain here for the Cowboys. So, they might sit some starters. We'll have to see what happens there. We'll probably get a little bit more clarity on that. Uh, a little bit later in the week, but the Eagles got a really good shot here. Really, whoever plays QB, as far as I'm concerned, to uh, pull off a, I guess this would be an upset, but I think this is a fairly even matchup here. Yeah, and I think this will be really interesting because both of these teams, I feel, are dark horses to make it pretty deep in the NFC. They're both teams that can give you a lot of fits. I mean, they both have really solid defensive lines. The Eagles seem to have an unstoppable running game. And the Cowboys just seem to have one of the more complete teams in the NFL. So whichever team ends up winning this might be hot and steaming ready for the playoffs. I do love a good, hot, steamy team of big, strong men. I'll tell you what. But I mean, hey, the Eagles, I got to say, like just from a personal standpoint, talking about Jalen Hurts here, 
I was not a big believer coming into the season. Nope. I still don't think he I still don't think he's a very good passer, but I like the fucking guy, dude. I think he can definitely start going forward here. Maybe not for the Eagles specifically, but I think he could be one of those journeyman starters really throughout his career because he's got something that you just really can't teach. He's really just poised no matter what. I mean, he almost got killed by the fucking stadium up there in Washington, and he didn't even care. He was like seeing if people were okay in the front row. Like, this guy... I feel like you could have a cannon go off next to his head and he would have the same exact like facial expression. That's not not something you can teach someone. It's either you have it or you don't. Yeah, I think that at the very least could help him get at least a few starting jobs. I think, if anything, he probably will stay with the Eagles just because there's already a game plan set there, so it's a little less work for them. I think at the very least one more season with this QB class coming yeah. in that they'll, they'll keep Hurts there, but... I, maybe not long term. Look, you know? they they made the playoffs. I mean, you can't ask for that exactly. much more out of the team, right? Like everyone thought they were going to be an under five hundred team. Yeah, very true, and I mean, I think I would definitely take him over Kirk Cousins because he's got. Again, it's one of those. It's it's an unflappable thing. He doesn't make those like boneheaded decisions in the clutch time for the most part. So yeah, I mean, it's really. I really like Jalen Hurts as a player overall. Let's go ahead and get into our one o'clock games. So to start out, we've got my boys, the Saints, playing against the Falcons. For the Saints, again, 49ers lose and the Saints win and they're in. Saints lose, it doesn't even matter what happens. They are out. The Falcons are out officially. The Falcons did beat the Saints in at Louisiana earlier this season. So that's a bit tough for the Saints to see. But when it comes to this rivalry, it tends to be Saints favored. But also, it's one of those rivalries where really anything can go. I think it was last year the Saints were like 11 and 5 or 10 and 4 and the and the Falcons were like 3 and 10 or so and the Falcons ended up taking one against the Saints when it should have been a 10 plus point spread there. Um I think that this will be a really good game for the Saints to get a rhythm going. I mean, their defense might be the best defense in the NFL right now, but we need Taysom to get something going. We need that line to start protecting him a little better. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, this is really just like with the Falcons, one of those games where you're going to hear this this saying a lot this week, but pissing in Cheerios, this is a big, big opportunity for the Falcons to come in. They don't have a whole lot to play for other than fucking up the Saints season. So they have a real opportunity to just come in here and just have a big spike game in a divisional, uh, against a divisional opponent in the Saints. And I feel like they're going to play him close at the very least. Yeah, I mean, I got to give props to Arthur Smith. I don't like to compliment the Falcons, but what Arthur Smith has done with the Falcons has been good. Uh, We've been doubters pretty much the entire season. We knew even when they were in the hunt that they weren't a very good team, but he has made them into a respectable team. They have a lot of work to do on both sides of the ball, but they at least have a couple pieces there and a coach who seems like he's able to extract the best out of his players. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. It feels like you found... At least a guy that you can work with going forward in, in Arthur Smith, a guy that's going to, you know, like we talked about before, it's going to do the best with what he can, what he's given in in the end. So, yeah, you have that in place. It's just a matter of, you know, Matt Ryan's not the guy, obviously, going forward. You got to really, I don't know, if you can turn him into assets, that'd be great, but I can't really see. It feels like they're stuck with him. They'll probably end up having to, to draft a QB. But you got to like where the team is headed going forward, though, at least. With, with Pitts in there, with Cordero Patterson. Probably got to pull in some defensive players, but they got some good pieces there. All right, let's go ahead and go to the Jets versus Bills. For the Jets, their season's over. They're playing for either draft position or pride. For the Bills, though, if they win, they clinch the divisional 
crown. If they lose, then they have to wait to see what the Patriots end up doing for their fates. I I mean, I've said it this whole season that I do like what the Jets have been doing. I think they've got some good pieces. I really like Robert Sala and what he's been doing with this team. But I do think that this is not going to be a close one. The Bills seem to starting to be getting into some good form here with running the ball, which is the biggest question we had entering really two weeks ago. And the Bills might be a really spicy team to watch in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think with everything that's on the line in this game, as far as winning the division, uh, seeding beyond that, uh, this is a game where the Bills, I think the line is 16 and a half last I checked, and that's that's pretty warranted. I feel like the Bills are going to come out laser-focused and probably put it on the Jets. I'd be remiss, though, if I didn't point out that the Jets have really been playing well down the stretch here. Zach Wilson has looked downright serviceable, I'll, I'll say it. He's not the worst quarterback of the rookie class anymore. But, I mean, given that it's an interdivisional game, I think at the very least they'll probably cover that 16.5. I don't know how much closer they'll get in the, than that. But, yeah, I mean, just going against this Bills team, it's hard to imagine that they actually pull out a win here. Then let's go ahead and go straight into that Bengals versus Browns game where we can just throw all analysis out the window, to be honest. The yeah. Bengals essentially have a buy because they can't really gain a whole lot unless people just start losing left and right in front of them. I mean, I think pretty much the only way they move up is if both the Bills and the Patriots lose. So it's not looking great as far as moving up in seating. So Joe Burrow's already announced that he is sitting out. Uh, They had a few other players go on either COVID or get announced that they're sitting out. And on the Brown side, they're out of the playoffs. So of course, they're finally going to rest Baker Mayfield. And so it's going to be a dynamic Brandon Allen versus Case Keenum matchup. So, like, who even fucking knows what's going to happen in this game? No idea. This is one of those big shit show matchups. I mean, Baker Mayfield, this is probably something that he should have done a while ago. I think we're both kind of on the same page. I mean, Case Keenum's not awesome, but I think he's a better option than Baker Mayfield right now. So I think that might actually end up working in their favor at the end of the day. But, I mean, I got I got a bit of a proposition here. And so hear me out. Hear me out. I've been hearing a lot of pointed criticism uh, on Stefanski, particularly about, you know, the play calling, about he's leaning too much into Baker. Like, why didn't he run Nick Chubb too much? It sounds mm-hmm. like you're going to want to get rid of Kevin Stefanski, right? I mean, it's a team. He doesn't fit with the team. He's an offensive guy. You're really a, a team, like, built around personnel-wise, the defense and all that stuff. Like you think about, you got Miles Garrett on the other side, Jadavian Clowney, Grant Delpit. I mean, all over the place. You got uh, Greedy Williams on the outside too, just young defenders. I mean, Kevin Stefanski, he's an offensive guy. He's going to build it around the offense. So I say, why drop him like yesterday's news? I mean, he's a bright young mind. People are going to want him as a coaching prospect. Why not trade him to, I mean... I don't know. I, this just a random team, like the Vikings, maybe. I mean, they have very random. Yeah, very, very random. Just off the top of my head, they have a head coach currently who's a defensive guy. When their personnel is built to be an offensive team, you think about it. Got Dalvin Cook, those two wide receivers, and Jefferson and Thielen, KJ Osborne coming on, Conklin coming on. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense that we do a straight up swap. Zimmer for Stefanski. The Browns get their defensive guy to kind of build around. The Vikings get their uh, long-lost offensive prodigy after uh, two years of a mistake. 
I like how you went from let's trade Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield in a one-to-one to -one let's trade the coaches of those two teams in a one-on-one. You just want to have both sense. Baker and Stefanski on your team? I mean, that's probably a better call than having no, they can Cousins keep Baker. Stefanski. They can keep Baker. I'll just take Stefanski. Well, we'll see and how we, that we could ditch Kirk Cousins, too, while we're at it. I feel like that's probably for the best anyways. I do think Zimmer might be out after this season, after what's a fairly disappointing season. Um, Stefanski, though, I don't think they're ready to give up on him. I think they're at least going to ride it out and see what happens with Baker Mayfield with him. So he I might know, you never know. another year. Their owner is not known You're to be right. patient in the past, so you never know. He's been better of late, but... He's got that track record. Mm. I mean, you might just trade him. You're right. You could always trade him to the Vikings. Well, let's go ahead and talk about an owner who will hope can be quite patient in the Lions, as Dan Campbell has had this team weirdly when they're 2-13-1 overperforming. Um, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown is looking like one of the next great wide receivers that could come out of this. DeAndre Swift is a really good running back. Outside of that, they got a whole bunch of practice squad players playing. Yes, I'm talking about you, Jared Goff. And on the Packers side, it's the Packers. I mean, even if the Packers rested everyone, which I think they should play for at least a couple series, maybe even a full quarter just to keep the juices flowing, it's still the Packers. I mean, the Packers' second team has got to be at least as talented as the best players on the Lions. Yeah, I believe in uh, Rodgers' weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee show, he uh, he alluded to starting the game, but probably not playing too long. So yeah. I imagine they'll That's do the like best. one or two series, maybe a quarter, and then basically shut everyone down. So if basically they were playing anybody else, I would pick the other team, but it's, it's the fucking Lions, man. They got... The, the cupboard is completely bare. They'll probably start Tim Boyle at quarterback, like... Like, what, what are we even doing here? <laughs> right, right. Let's go ahead then and get into the Patriots versus Dolphins. I mean, this is a matchup that I think could be really spicy. Patriots, as you said, Bills got to lose for the, and the Patriots win, and the Patriots end up winning the division. Until just last week, the Dolphins were in the hunt and actually could have been in over the Patriots. I still think that the Dolphins, they're kind of like... The Belichick killers in a way. I feel like you can go to any season in the past 10 seasons or so, and there's at least one bullshit, just fluke play that just has ended some kind of dream that the Patriots have had. Like, what was it? Just a couple years ago, they had that crazy Music City Miracle like lateral play to beat the Patriots, yeah. and I think it robbed them of the first overall seed when the Dolphins had like four wins. I think Adam Gase was still there, maybe. Um, it, it seems when it comes to Miami, it's never easy. And I don't really expect that to be the case here because a lot of Dolphins players are going to be playing for their jobs. Yeah, and I got to think for that reason, I mean, of the shitty teams in the NFL, I feel like the Dolphins are one of the more fun ones to cheer for because they're always, again, another phrase I'm using again, pissing in the Cheerios of the Patriots at like the best possible time. And like, what is more fun than rooting against the evil empire at the end of the day? But, I mean, just looking specifically at this game, I mean, the Dolphins already stole a game in Foxborough. They're going to have this game at home. I feel like at the very least this is going to be close and the Dolphins have a real chance of winning this. But on the other side, for the Patriots, I think this is a huge, like, mental hurdle for Mac Jones. Like, if he can play well in this game, like, he played well in, in his first start against them to start the season. 
but they didn't win. If they win this time, I feel like that just helps the confidence and just going into the postseason with that. I mean, it's all a momentum-based thing. You never know. If he gets a good win in this one, it might just set him off for a streak going in the postseason. Random uh, random stat prediction. I think Xavier Howard's getting a pick off of Mac Jones, though. I think, I think that might happen in this game. Um, as far as uh, the Cheerios, I think I prefer my Cheerios with milk instead of piss. So uh, I'll go ahead and take I'll that. I'll try it. It's a unique flavor. I think I'm going to stay away from that one. It takes one. a sophisticated pal. You wouldn't get it. A game that I might also stay away from is the Bears versus Vikings, as this is going to be an ugly one. Neither of these teams have anything to play for. I I think Mike Zimmer's done after this season. If he's not, he's definitely like the hottest coach entering next season. Um, Nagy's definitely done. I assume Pace is done. But also, these two teams just fucking hate each other, so... It's just going to be one of those games where it's going to be really chippy. It's going to be really scrappy. There's going to be at least one, if not two or three fights throughout the game. If you want a fun, competitive game, this might not be it. But if you want a game filled with a lot of drama, this is the one for you. Oh, this will be competitive. I mean, I don't know if it'll necessarily be competitive in a way that's fun to watch, but I think... That's more I mean, what I'm alluding to. It's not competitive it's in a way be... that like Packers versus Cowboys would be competitive. Yeah, it's going to be a complete fucking rock fight, man. I mean, I would be almost willing to bet money that there will be a brawl at some point in this one because neither of these teams have had a particularly great season. Both of them hate each other. Neither of them want to end the season with a win. And I mean, I don't know about the Bears. I think they're more more akin to hating the, the Packers. But I don't know if there's a team that I hate more in the entire NFL than the Bears. So, like, I wouldn't want to, to end... And my coaching career that way. I know pretty much like you said before, Nagy and Zimmer are both pretty much out after this game. Zimmer writing's been on the wall for pretty much the the entire season. So yeah, I think both of these teams are extra motivated in spite of a lack of uh, of stakes to win this one. Let's go ahead and go to Washington football team versus Giants. Kind of the same thing. Um, neither of these teams have anything to play for other than draft seating. They're both pretty bad teams, and the Giants even don't have their starting quarterback. I, I mean, I guess Tyco to Washington doesn't have their starting quarterback either, right? Um, shit, Did they is, ever really have one? Is Heineke starting in this game? I believe so. I, I mean, they, they had Fitzpatrick to sort yeah, of start the I mean, season. I love Fitzpatrick, but, though. I mean, we can love Fitzpatrick, but come on, man. We know who Fitzpatrick is, dude. Yeah, he's a boss-ass <laughs> bitch. That's what he is. He's a wild man. That's He's a wild man. <laughs> uh, for the Giants, I think that if they lose this game, Joe Judge might even get fired. For the sake of that team, I kind of hope that he gets fired because they really need to bring in a new coach, maybe like an offensive mind like Byron Leftwich, someone to pair with a young quarterback because Daniel Jones can't be in your future plans. Joe Judge already isn't in your future plans, and things just honestly don't look good for the Giants. Yeah, I'm not even really sure why they're keeping Joe Judge another year because, I mean, they're bringing in a new GM who's going to want to hire his own coach anyways. It's like, got to be laziness, no, dude. They just don't want to go through the coaching process. That I'm guessing that's what it is. There's really no, nothing else that makes sense here. But even then, he's been, over the past couple weeks since, they, since Mara announced that Joe Jubs, Judge's job was safe this season... I mean, they have been an embarrassing football team. Really, since Danny Dimes went down, they have been an embarrassing football team. Getting blown out by even, like, bad teams, objectively bad teams. So, I mean, 
if they get blown out by the football team here, I would not be surprised at all if Joe Judge becomes a, another casualty of Black Monday. And like like you were talking about before, I mean, they they need an offensive guy in there. Maybe Byron Leftwich. Uh, Dable is kind of cooled off a little bit, but maybe if they have a good playoff run, his name heats up again. But yeah, the guys you got in there right now, that's Joe Judge is not the answer, and they know it. I think Ron Rivera might be the answer for the Washington football team, but they do need to figure out their quarterback situation as well. I mean, we alluded to Fitzpatrick is probably not a long-term answer. He's more of like a transitional quarterback. Taylor Heineke is fun to watch, but like we're not kidding ourselves. He's probably not even a top 15 quarterback. Their defense seemed like it was supposed to be really good entering this season, and it's been staggeringly bad, to be honest. Um, Chase Young has been out with an ACL tear, so there is that going for them. Yeah, even with him in there, though, yeah. But I do I do like Ron Rivera with Washington. I think that they probably win an extra couple of games with him there. Um, even from his time with the Panthers, it always felt like he helped extract some of the better details of the Panthers especially like you think back to the season where they went to the Super Bowl Cam Newton won the MVP that season was basically like when Cam Newton was at Auburn it's just Cam Newton and really nobody else can you even name any other players on that team I think like Luke Keekley's the only one I can name and I'm not even sure if he's in the league anymore Nah, guess who the GM? That was Gettleman. Yeah, <laughs> that was that right. was Gettleman's team too. So yeah, just just talking about you know bringing it full circle, the guy that you know tanked the Giants in the first place. Um, yeah, I feel like Ron Rivera. I think he's the good. He's the coach for now. Like the next five years or three three to five years, they need a guy that's gonna establish the culture, rebuild it from the shit show that it was into something that can be a little bit more respectable culture wise, but. Honestly, I don't think he's the guy that's going to end up getting him to a Super Bowl. I think it's going to get to a point kind of like the Vikings got with Zimmer where they reach a cap and they just need to move to something a little bit more exciting to take them to the next level. But I think he's definitely the guy that they need in there right now to set the culture. Yeah, when it comes to Ryan Rivera, so as much as I think he's a good coach, I think he's one of those coaches where I don't think his ceiling's ever in a Super Bowl, right? Like I think it's a lot like... Andy Reid before he finally won it with the Chiefs or um, like Chile with the uh, Vikings or as oh, much as I, I hate to say about it, Chile, dude. Oh, <laughs> man. as much as I hate <laughs> to say Sean Payton after that one Super Bowl win that they had um, I don't know if Ron Rivera is a coach that could take you into a dynasty uh, that's all to say though this might be a fun game to watch competitively but in the grand scheme of things it's not going to mean a whole lot also, probably won't be on your TV unless you're in the region. So I guess, I mean, enjoy it if you're in the area. Sure. Let's go ahead and go to Ron Rivera's previous team in the Panthers, though, as they go to the Buccaneers Stadium, take them on. The Panthers have a chance, but the Panthers are talentless right now. Um, all their best players are banged up. Their, sure enough, quarterback is uh, not great, turns out first round pick and like a third round pick is not worth it for Sam Darnold um who would have thought except for literally everyone yeah as for the Buccaneers yeah they have some injuries but like look guys any Tampa Bay fans out there listening to this cry me a fucking river the Ravens Saints and Titans have all dealt with way more and the Titans have a better record yeah also your team is 12 and 4 so I mean it's you know could could be worse at the end of the day but I don't know 
I don't think they even really have anything to play for at this point in the in the grand scheme of things. So I think they don't have any like official announcements yet, but it feels like this is going to be a big scabs game from the Buccaneers. Like I don't expect Brady to play much, if at all. But also the Panthers are so bad that I feel like either Blaine Gabbert or Kyle Trask are, are well equipped to end up winning this one. Because I mean. Even if you're not starting Leonard Fournette, you still got Rojo back there. You still got, you know, they're not going to sit anyone on the offensive line, I would imagine. So, yeah, the, the Bucks should end up winning this. Yeah, as for the Panthers, back to Matt Rule, um, he has to be on the hot seat. I saw recently that the GM, I can't remember his name, has publicly stated that he deeply regrets giving Matt Rule not this Not even the GM, it was the owner. Oh, it was, was the owner? The owner. The owner. Tepper. That's right. That's right. It was Tepper who uh, deeply regrets giving a seven-year blockbuster deal to Matt Rule. Um, yeah, I guess it's a little different coaching college versus coaching the NFL. So, like, maybe don't invest that much into someone who realistically is not a proven commodity. It's not like you're signing Andy Reid away from the Chiefs, right? Yeah, and I'm shocked that Matt Rule didn't jump ship and go to one of those college jobs, honestly, because... It would have been a perfect time. He's- he has shown at like three different stops now that he can win basically anywhere in college. So, I mean, honestly, if he doesn't start doing well like next year to start the year, I think he could leave in the middle of the season to go to a college job. Like, I think in the at the end of the day, I, Matt Rule is not going to stay in the NFL for, for a whole, at least not this whole seven-year uh, contract, I don't Hell think. Hell no. No, I think he's going back to college. I mean, he seems like... He's got the kind of temperament that's more suited for college than for the NFL. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that you succeed in college, but not the NFL. I mean, go ask Dabo Sweeney, go ask Nick Saban, right? Like, whatever. You can still get paid a fuckload. Yeah, to be fair, Nick Saban is the GOAT because I think if he would have stayed, he would have ended up being all right in Miami. Also possible, but we'll never know. What we do know is that the Colts played the Jaguars as well at one o'clock. If the Colts lose to the Jaguars, then they're out of the playoffs, but there's no fucking way, right? Like, the Jaguars have to be the least talented team in the entire NFL. They don't have a coach. And as we mentioned earlier, Trevor Lawrence leads the league in the amount of interceptions he throws versus the amount of passes he attempts. And the Colts are one of those teams who actually have a solid defense. They've got a pretty good pass rush. And... They're a little oppressive sometimes to some of these young quarterbacks. And when you've got that dominant running game, this might get ugly before you ever see the light of day. Look, I'm I'm telling you now, I mean, logically, the Colts, they're coming in. They have to win to get into the playoffs. The team is, you know, well-motivated. They're not going to really be sleeping on this one. If Logically, they should blow them out. They should blow them out. But they also haven't won in Jacksonville in seven years. That's insane. Which also doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, like, I think the Colts are going to win by a lot. Logically, they should win by a lot. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is going to give you at least one. At least one, probably two. Got to think that that uh, Darius Leonard is going to punch one out as well. So, like, I don't know, man. The, the one saving grace for the Colts is somehow the Jaguars have found a way to look even worse without Urban Meyer, which I didn't think was possible. They lost so, the only winner on their team. Yeah, I mean, it's winner in a room full of losers, and, I mean, look who's right now. Look who's laughing. 
let's go ahead and get to Steelers-Ravens. As we said, this could be a game that can be considered for the seventh seed in the playoffs if the Colts do end up losing that game. This game is going to be quite a rock fight. I mean, as you saw, Big Ben just threw less than 150 passing yards on over 40 attempts. Uh, though I think the Ravens just announced that they will be starting Tyler Huntley in this game, so it's going to be really ugly. Um, it's going to be very defensive, and look for TJ Watt to get that sack and a half that he needs to break the record. Yeah, and I mean, Lamar Jackson hasn't practiced for, like, what? Probably a month, if not even more at this point. I would have been absolutely shocked if the Ravens threw him, threw him out there against, I mean... Probably the defensive player of the year in a Hall of Fame defensive tackle in Cam Hayward. I mean, probably just better to just keep your QB healthy going into the offseason here. But, yeah, we talked about it before. T.J. Watt's going to be gunning for the sack record, single-season sack record. Uh, you better believe that both teams are aware of that. The Ravens are going to be giving him chips, double teams, maybe even triple teams pretty much all night to keep him from doing that. And the Steelers are going to be moving him all over the board to uh, – keep him from getting those chips, double teams, and triple teams. So I think it's going to be a fun chess match to kind of watch how they game plan that because I think he's going to be all over the field and it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I want to go back to Lamar Jackson for a bit. So this probably is a kind of shitty way to think as like a coach or a GM, but looking at it as somebody who wants to see success next year and in uh, years after – when I think of Lamar Jackson not playing for a month and then coming back and possibly hurting, just thinking, his ankle, it could be something that's quite irreparable because he's always been known for his legs. One big thing I think about is the Redskins, or sorry, the Washington football team. You when fucking racist. They, they were the Redskins back then, in my defense. Oh, you said uh, it again! <laughs> You're but, fucking uh, racist, you done, boy! When they had RG3. And he was really solid. I believe he won Offensive Rookie of the Year that year. They got the Washington football team to the playoffs. And his knee, or his leg, just got completely shattered in that game. It ended up being fairly meaningless. And Kirk Cousins came in, take over his job. And Washington really hasn't been the same since. If the same happened to Lamar Jackson, then that's a damn shame. Because not only does he have a higher ceiling than RG3 did... But also the entire Ravens offense is built around his style of play. That's not going to be easy to fix if you brought in someone who's a little more pass privy than run privy. I, I would say if if they put in Lamar Jackson and he gets like a, a catastrophic ankle injury is never the same. I would I would go to Baltimore with a crowbar and take John Harbaugh's ankle just for that offense to the rest of the football world because you cannot deprive us of this talent as far as the run is concerned. So, I mean, hate to do it, but if you break Lamar Jackson's ankle, I'm breaking yours in return. It's just only fair. Once the Ravens make the playoffs, if they do, what's next? Do we actually expect them to win more than one game? If you get in the playoffs and you don't win the Super Bowl, then, like, you had a good showing, but... It's a failure of a season, essentially. And if you lose your franchise quarterback because you had a 1% chance of winning a Super Bowl, that's pretty tough odds to beat. I think that the Ravens probably should mail it in a little bit. I mean, Tyler Huntley's been pretty solid. He helped them get back to basically a two-point botch against the Packers. 
Um, it's been pretty close with him in there. He basically is a discount Lamar Jackson. And I still think that it's going to be a close game, if only because of the familiarity between these two teams. And I would say if you get to the playoffs and lose, it's basically meaningless. If you get to the playoffs and win a game, that's the shit that saves coaches' jobs and everything like that. So, I mean, I will say it's John not, Harbaugh's it's not, fine, though. Oh, yeah, John Harbaugh's not going anywhere. I mean, he's got a basically lifetime contract. That's more what whether, I'm talking about. Whether to say it or not. Like, obviously, like, for Fair someone enough. like the Bengals, where, like, if you win, then, I mean, that's that's everything. Even just making the playoffs with Bengals, that's everything. But, like, the Ravens were just in a Super Bowl a few years ago. Like, and they even won a Super Bowl within the past decade. So, John Harbaugh's fine. Yeah, hell, I would even say, like, just, just throw Lamar Jackson on IR at this point. Like, even if you make the playoffs, like... Tyler Huntley basically approximates what you get. Like you don't get the exact same kind of explosive athleticism as you do with uh with Jackson, but I mean, he gives you enough to where you just you can't be risking the franchise at this point with how bad the ankle injury seems to be. So yeah, just shut him down for the year. But I mean, I want to talk about like before we get off this game, I do want to talk draw attention to Mike Tomlin because if he wins this game or the Steelers win this game with him at the helm, That'll be another winning season. He's already clinched his 18th straight uh, non-losing season. I just want to say, like, if he gets another winning season with this team, he deserves, like, outside consideration for Coach of the Year. Like, obviously, he's not going to win. But with this roster, it's incredible that he's gotten even eight wins. So, considering that with a win, they would break the record for the most consecutive winning records... Considering that he found a way to get success with Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown all in the same locker room, I think he he's probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer when it's said and done, right? Like when he decides not to coach anymore, he is a shoe win at that point. You would think so, especially with the streak they have. And I mean, it's it's nutty. I mean, and this is a stat that I think every single show has read at some point this week, but it, it's crazy. So I have to, I have to state it here. Sure. The Steelers under Mike Tomlin have gone 18 straight season without a losing record. The next closest active streak is Kansas city with nine. I mean, that's just an insane amount of success. I mean, you said it, he's probably a first ballot hall of famer at the end of the day. And to do it, to do it this year with a limp noodle arm QB, I mean, he's a hall of famer, but he's pretty much done an objectively bad offensive line that, I mean, with the exception of last night, before last night, uh, Harris had below four yards per carry on the season. That that other other night bumped him up to four for the season. And with the Defensive Player of the Year candidate going in and out of the lineup all the time, to have all that stuff going around and still possibly, I think they're favored to have a winning season here. It's just incredible that uh, Mike Tomlin's there. Another guy that uh, escaped from the Vikings building. Let's go ahead and talk about the probably favorite for the coach of the year, though, Mike Vrabel. Titans, if they win, they have the number one seed. They're up against the Texans. Derrick Henry is not going to play in this game, which is about right. They're just keeping it safe. A lot of But they did, uh, on this day of uh, recording, they did designate him to return, so he should be practicing either today or tomorrow. But I think it's a lot of the same rationale that we were talking about with Lamar Jackson of maybe save your most talented player and just uh, hope that you can levy that into a few extra good seasons out of them. But yeah, I mean, Coach Fabril has to be the coach of the year. They do have the most injured team. Um, It's actually a fun stat because the Saints actually 
broke the record for the most unique starters, but the Titans do have the most injuries on their team. So it's a lot of like depth issues for the Titans. But the thing is, even when Derrick Henry went out, we thought their season might be over. They're still here. 11-5 might be 12-5 with the best record in the AFC. Deontay Foreman is still looking electric and is looking like baby, basically just a baby Derrick Henry. And the rest of the team has been serviceable. Their only issue has been the turnovers. Yeah, and if you think about it, I think they're in a better position now than if Derrick Henry would have stayed in the lineup because they're still 11-5. and five. They're in the one seed. Derrick Henry has nine less games of hits on him, assuming that he doesn't play this one, which I hate to break it to all of you. He's not playing this week. No, there's so, no way. Yeah, especially with the with the bye coming up. If they get a bye, he's going to get an extra week of rest too. That that Coming into that, that round, he's going to be absolutely huge for them in the postseason. They did exactly what they needed to do to get to the postseason to have success. I mean, the rest of the AFC needs to look out because Derrick Henry coming back with fresh legs on a team that's really been playing with a hand tied behind their back all season. I mean, this does not bode well for everybody else with home field advantage at that. My guess is they'll probably practice him with like 50 to 75% speed just so that he can start getting some reps. Might even get him to suit up just so he can kind of get back into the groove of it. But I don't expect him to run at all in this game. Maybe if it gets completely out of hand and there's like, okay, Go run like once or twice just so that you can get on the field. But for the Texans, I think that it's not going to be very pretty for them. Davis Mills, I think, has done enough to keep his job as a starting quarterback. Uh, At least if I was leading the Texans, I would say, fuck it. Let's see what Davis Mills has for a full season because the rest of the Texans hasn't been great. I mean, we're kind of seeing that when DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson aren't on your team, then, well you don't really have a whole lot going for you. And he seems like he's doing pretty well for them, but their season's essentially over at this point. It's just about upsetting the Titans. Yeah, and I feel like the Texans are a bit of a, a similar team to the Eagles where going into this year with the with a weak QB class, but deep pretty much everywhere else, uh, you got a solid QB option in the building. You might as well just ride with them for another year. You're not going to be good next year. I mean, it's... You're the Texans. There's a lot of holes in the team to fill. So, yeah, you might as well just roll with them into next season. But I think, I mean, they beat the Titans already earlier this season. Stole one on the road, in fact. So, I mean, I think this might actually end up being a close game. There is a lot of stakes here. So And, you know, the Texans are bad. But over the past two weeks, that or past three weeks, they've won two of their last three games. They're really hitting an offensive stride down the stretch here with Davis Mills starting consistently now. I mean, Look out. I feel like this one's going to be closer than people think. Did you expect coming into this season that Davis Mills would be objectively better than Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> Not at all. Me neither, man. What a, what, a, what a twist of fate there, man. I mean, that's that's the craziest thing of all. I was just like looking looking down the list here as we were like drafting this up and I was just thinking about it like, damn, like it's not even close either. Like Davis Mills has been a better QB by a mile going into ways. what was argued. Yeah, going into what was arguably like just as bad of a situation, I think we came to figure out that the Jaguars was a little bit worse. But I mean, the Texans—they have a, a bunch of problems of their own. So, like, I mean, for him to be playing better than Trevor Lawrence, I think it's kind of a, a big indictment on Trevor Lawrence. That's for sure. Let's go ahead and get into our four o'clock games. We actually only have two games in a four o'clock scenario, but 
I think I'm going to try to watch them side by side as best I can because we already mentioned it. We had the 49ers versus the Rams. So 49ers are simple win and you're in, lose, and you might be out. They'll even know at the time of kickoff if they could be out with a loss. And the Rams are still fighting for that playoff seeding considering the fact that they were swept by the Cardinals. And the second game, we have the Seahawks versus the Cardinals. Seahawks season is over. They're really just playing for pride and figuring out what they're going to do with the Carol Wilson relationship. But the Cardinals, if they win and the Rams lose, are in that top four seeding. So this is very valuable. It's going to be really interesting. What are your thoughts on the 49ers versus Rams to start out? Uh, 49ers versus Rams. I think this one... I kind of think it it depends a lot on what Jimmy G ends up doing. It looks like today they ended up practicing him on a limited basis, which kind of makes me think just based on patterns from the the way that, you know, teams have handled injuries in the past. They'll probably have him limited today, maybe full participant on Thursday and Friday, and then he'll probably end up starting on on Sunday, if I had to guess. But with Jimmy G in the lineup, I mean, low-key Shanahan kind of owns McVay, so I feel like... This one might end up being a close game and low key Niners are top 10 in pretty much every major statistical category on defense. Uh, the Rams are really stout up front and can stop that, that run game for the, uh, for the Shanahan offense a little bit. I think this will be even with the, the two offensive gurus running the teams. I think this will be a pretty low scoring game, but close. Yeah. I think one of the biggest questions is which Matt Stafford are we getting, right? Like, are we going to get, the Matt Stafford that was lighting the world on fire with Cooper Cup at the beginning of this season? Or are we getting the Matt Stafford that we came to know and love in Detroit? A lot of that is going to have to do with the fact that their offensive line is quite awful to be considered. But, I mean, if Matt Stafford plays well, then they can still win. But they even proved last week against the Ravens that he can throw three picks and they can still win. So that's not really out of the question if Trey Lance ends up starting for the 49ers. This time of year, I feel like that Stars and Scrubs roster, like if you can get to this point with a damn good record, I feel like you can really make some noise in the playoffs because the benefit of having that the, all those stars on the team is come playoff time, they tend to elevate their play, yeah. and it's hard to really double-team all of them. Aaron Donald in particular, uh, he's been an absolute fucking monster all year this year. Low-key, one of his better seasons still. I mean, he's best defensive player in the league by a long shot, him alone might be good enough just to kind of anchor the entire defense for the Rams. And he's got he's got stars around him. So as far as contention is going, um, I like them in the playoffs here. That's the thing. Like, you have Aaron Donald on, the, on that line, and we talk about him as if he's the only player on that line. But that's just what he does to you. He makes you consider only him. But really, they have Von Miller, who is probably going to end up being Hall of Fame player. And they have uh, Leonard Floyd, right? Yeah, yep. so they've got a crazy strong front front seven, and that's not even considering like Jalen Ramsey, who's one of the top cornerbacks in the league. So if you can get your star players in positions to make plays, then it's going to look good for the Rams. My my concern for them on that front outside of Matt Stafford is they do have a lot of scrubs that are starting in positions where they might not be starting on some of the less talented teams. So there's a few places where they could be exploited by a team like the 49ers, who is known for having a lot of uh, a lot of creativity offensively. 
And I think in this game in particular, the 49ers, I think a lot of people forget that Trent Williams is there and he has been by basically everyone who knows the, uh, the offensive line this year, the best offensive line in the best offensive lineman in the entire league. He's been absolute monster back to his uh, original form back in his days in Washington. So I think he can kind of cancel out some of that pass rush you get. And when you can do that against this Rams team, Really, Jalen Ramsey is the only player in the secondary that scares you. Every Everyone else, like the linebacking core, the safeties, really the, the corner opposite of Ramsey, I mean, they can all be had if you give the QB enough time. So it's really just a matter of big boomer bust potential here for the Rams. They can get to the QB. They can have success on defense, but they get time. I mean, they can get torched back there. With the Seahawks versus Cardinals game, I'm inclined to think that the Cardinals are going to win it pretty handily. I mean... The Seahawks are a pretty gross team to watch, to be honest. They just don't have a lot going well for them outside of the resurgence of Rashad Penny. But I am concerned with the Cardinals of the typical Cliff Kingsbury of it all. Uh, That being said, though, the Cardinals have a lot more to play for than the Seahawks. The Seahawks might, uh, might honestly even say, hey, let's go ahead and tank this game so we can get a little bit of a better draft positioning. The Cardinals, they're still looking to maybe win the division in Week 18. Yeah, again, I think I think logically this is a game the Cardinals should win, but you always have to factor in the Cliff Kingsbury of it all here. Uh, yeah, he, the way he calls plays, you never know. He might he might blow you out. He might throw four fades on third and fourth down. You, you never know. But I do feel like the uh, the interesting question here from a macro standpoint. I mean, it is a bit of a bit of a retread here, but the Russ and Pete Carroll thing. I mean, is this the last time they're on the same team? I feel like come yeah. Black Monday, I don't think anyone should be surprised. I would honestly be say better than 50% that Pete Carroll was fired on Black Monday. So, yeah, I feel like this is probably the last time you see that Super Bowl combination. So, drink it in, Seahawks fans. Yeah, I don't think Russ will be moving. Uh, I think he's just going to be too expensive for what the Seahawks want for him. So... I would expect them to move on from Pete Carroll. And you got to think in, in modern QB terms, he's so young too. Like you can't get right. rid of, you can't get rid of a, I mean, he was a top five QB. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a great QB in in the NFL right now. And you cannot let that guy go when he's in his prime, really early thirties. I think he's not even really in his mid thirties yet. Yeah. And I mean, he was part of a dynasty. Like he's been there and won it initially. And there have been seasons where he's been the only offensive production for this team. So Getting rid of him, I mean, then what are you going to do with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf? Then you got them for some scrub to start passing to. And I think this would be an opportune place for a guy like uh, Byron Leftwich, someone where you can come in and be like a partner on the offense. They need a guy, not like Pete Carroll, who's more of a, a defensive guy. They need a guy who can come in, change the offense. I mean, you look at all the weapons they have on that side. There's no reason for them to be scoring as little points as they are outside of maybe offensive line play. But you think about it, they got Lockett, DK Metcalf, Rashad Penny is emerging in the backfield. Maybe Chris Carson can come back and, and split carries with Penny. So with, with, when you have Russell Wilson there, you got to take advantage of it. And th- yeah, they've really reached their peak with Pete Carroll. It was a good run, but it's just come to the end of the railroad tracks, unfortunately. So let's go ahead and get into Sunday Night Football, Chargers versus Raiders. This is the game that, in a vacuum, has the most significance of any of the other games. Simple, win and you're in. If they tie, they're both in. And that would be the most hilarious outcome. 
but I definitely would feel a little miffed about it because I want to see the Chargers <laughs> get in. I want to see the I want to see Justin Herbert have some success. I really like just the prospect of Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow lighting up the AFC in the future. I do think it's going to be a really interesting game to watch. Yeah, this is like this is classic. Like I think this was actually flexed into this spot because the NFL likes to get like a winner go home game going into the playoffs. This is the perfect perfect game for the last one of the week because it's basically a playoff game. Whoever wins this one is going to the playoffs. Whoever loses is going home. If you tie, you both go to the playoffs, which that's the that's the big brain play. I don't think they're going to do that though. I want to say if you're if you're a gambling person, first off, if you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Get that out of the way right away. And we're not going to talk about it too much, but right now, as we record, the over-under is 49 and a half. They may smash that by halftime. Let me let me tell you, man. I mean, the Chargers defense has been bad all season. If the Texans can put up 41 points, so can you. Uh, the Raiders have had a dynamic pass rush all year, but Rashawn Slater, the I'm, many would say, I mean, a lot of the football nerds would say the best rookie in this year's class, and even ahead of uh, Jamar Chase, um, he's gonna he's gonna cancel out a lot of that uh, pass rush from Crosby and Nassib. And, you know, the Raiders' offense is good enough to, get, to take advantage of that Chargers' defense. I feel like this is going to be the most fun game of the week. And one thing you can know for certain, for certain, there's going to be a lot of fuck shit happening. I mean, between Derek Carr on one side and the Chargers being the Chargers, I mean, this is just going to be fun for the entire family. Yeah, these are two of the most inconsistent teams. It seems this entire season... We have picked the Chargers when we think they're going to win, and they end up losing. We pick against the Chargers when we think they're going to lose, and they end up winning. There's just It's really hard to get a pulse on them as a team, but if you look at them on paper, they have Rashawn Slater, as you mentioned. They've got Justin Herbert plus that trio of dynamic offensive players, and they do have some sneaky, solid players on the defensive side, but the Raiders might be able to nullify that with the resurgence of Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones becoming the new Deshaun Jackson of the NFL, and Derek Carr just throwing fucking balls left and right. I do think that it'll probably break the over or under quite quickly. Yeah, and you got to think from the Raiders' perspective too. That secondary, I mean, I love Jonathan Abram. He's a fucking crazy man back there. Went to my alma mater. We went to this. this, this uh, Jesus Christ. We went to school at the same exact time. I saw him decapitate a man in the fucking spring game. It was his own goddamn team. That's teammate. illegal. That being said, they do not have a very good uh, secondary. And as far as like, holy fuck, how did he make that throws go? I think Herbert has more of those than just about anybody. So I wouldn't be surprised if both these QBs went over 400 yards and maybe both these teams score 30 plus. But yeah, this over is going to get absolutely smashed, I'm betting. Literally. We are hitting the home stretch here, so let's go ahead and get into our quick picks for this final week of the regular season. Now, to do a little bit of housekeeping beforehand, uh, I had a great week. Caleb had a good week, oh, but... Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> but unfortunately, uh, it's looking quite dire. With that, though, we've got some risque picks for y'all. We got eight hot new picks for y'all to check out. We're going to start on Saturday, Cowboys versus Eagles. I've said it for barely legal. I've said it for basically the last month and a half that I think the Cowboys are one of the most complete teams in the NFL. I think that 
they are arguably better coached than the Eagles. I just think that they're going to beat the Eagles. Yeah, and I mean, I think I'm on the other side in this one. I like the Eagles. I just feel like they match up well in this game. They're at home. Like, it feels like the Cowboys have less to play for. Jalen Hurts on the other side. Really, whoever starts for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts or Gardner Minshew, I like that matchup against this defense either way. I mean, expect Trayvon Diggs to give out at least one long play to one of these receivers. I got the Eagles in this one. So in our 1 o'clock games, we've got Saints versus Falcons. I'm taking the Saints. I got to root for my boys to make it to the playoffs. They're not going to get swept by the Falcons. That that just doesn't happen. I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't think so, but at the end of the day, the Saints are the type of team that the Falcons have been beating throughout the year. Not great on offense. They have a fantastic defense, but I think the fact that they're not awesome on offense makes this so it'll be a close game, and I think the Falcons just pull this one off in the end. One thing I do want to mention, too, I don't think we mentioned this when we talked about the Saints-Falcons matchup originally, but uh, the Saints are getting a few starters back on the offensive line from COVID, so that might help them down the stretch if they can uh, get their season going a little bit longer than this week. With that, we've got Bengals versus Browns. Um, yeah, I picked the Bengals when I thought that everyone was going to play. I don't know why I thought everyone was going to play. I'm still going to take the Bengals because uh, the Bengals might be my favorite team in the AFC this year, and I want to see them make the Super Bowl against the Saints. Let's do it. appreciate you being an honorable man and sticking with your pick here. Uh, I am going with the Browns. I had them from the very beginning before the starters were out because I kind of assumed that they were going to be out in the first place. Um, yeah, I just think the Browns with Case Keenum over uh, Baker Mayfield, they got a much better chance of winning. They're going to lean a lot more into the run, which they should have done in the first place. And I just feel like with all those starters out in the Bengals, the Browns are just going to, it's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be real Browns ball in this one. They'll win. We got Bears versus Vikings. As we said, uh, no playoff implications here but definitely is going to be a fun one to watch if you want to watch some fights happen uh see uh one of caleb's favorite games to watch the egg bowl probably going to be something kind of similar to that i'd bet i'm going to take the vikings in this one i think that they are better coached mike zimmer might be able to survive another year if they win this game kirk cousins is definitely a better quarterback than I think they're going to start Andy Dalton. I he started the list past. No, nah, they 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 just announced this week. I I didn't didn't say it earlier, but uh, yeah, they just announced earlier today that the, they're starting Justin Fields, and Still the Vikings better. already already said. I think Zimmer was asked in his uh, Wednesday presser whether he was going to start all the starters, whether healthy or if if they were healthy, and he said basically unequivocally, yeah, they're going to start if they're they're healthy. So yeah, same sort of thing there. But yeah, I think you picked the Vikings. Um, I'm basically on the same page here. Fuck the Bears. This is going to be a fun one to watch. If we win, if not, it's just going to be depressing. We've got Steelers versus Ravens. Winning your in almost. Uh, I'm going to take the Ravens in this one. I know Lamar Jackson's out, but Tyler Huntley has had them competitive for the past three games. The last time the Ravens and Steelers faced, it was a botched two-point conversion to win. I think that just... When you have one of the greatest rivalries in modern football, it just elevates everyone's play. And I think the Ravens just are going to be the better for it. Yeah, I think this is sneakily. And I mean, it's not something that you necessarily realize if you haven't been in like the area, like either Baltimore or Pittsburgh. But that really is low key. Like, I think the best modern rivalry in the NFL, the Ravens and the Steelers. It's an absolute classic. Basically, all the games are great. Even though they're low scoring, they're fun to watch. Like, 
I don't think I've ever watched defensive football that is more fun to watch than like a Ravens Steelers game. So yeah, it's going to probably be the same type of game in this one. I do have the Steelers though. Mike Tomlin's going to get that, that uh, 18th consecutive winning season. And God, that's just a mind boggling stat. Titans versus Texans. I mean, come on, man. Titans. <laughs> well, this is, this is the stat. This is probably the point where I start going a little bit off the rails here, but the, I am taking the Texans because they already beat them earlier this year. They stole a game on the road. They're going to be at home here, and they have really been on their shit as far as the offense has been concerned lately. I just feel like if for no other reason than to maybe claw my way back in here, tossing a Hail Mary to not drink a shot of hot sauce, I'm taking the Texans. I respect the hustle for it. Let's go ahead and get into our 4 o'clock game where hey, we've got... Lose by 6, lose by 12. We yeah, what's the difference, right? Yeah. Four o'clock game. We've got 49ers versus Rams. I'm taking the Rams, man. 49ers are gonna lose. Saints are gonna win. Saints making the playoffs, going to the Super Bowl. And the Rams, so I mean, yeah, they're gonna be the 49ers. That's all I need to say. Uh Shanahan owns McVay. Uh, I feel like Trent Williams, we talked about earlier, canceled out cancels out a lot of the uh the pass rush abilities for the Rams. Uh, I got the 49ers in this one. I feel like it's gonna be a, a good one going into the playoffs for the Niners. And to cap it all off, of course, we have to include the win and you're in scenario of the Chargers versus Raiders, where the only loser is everyone watching from home. If they tie, we've got the Chargers, I think, taking it. I mean, Justin Herbert or Derek Carr, I think Justin Herbert's the better option. I think that the Chargers have more upside, even if their defense might not be quite as stout. And I think that... uh, Brandon Staley's really been elevating this team to a better level of play this year. Yeah, and I cannot stress enough that this Sunday night football game between the Chargers and Raiders is going to be appointment television. This is going to be a really fun game to watch. Really high scoring, I'm guessing. So either way, I've got the Raiders here. Just, I mean, it's it's a home game. I don't know if they split the series before. Uh, quite honestly, I'm trying to win this, but also the Chargers, like, who the hell even knows what they're going to get on a regular basis. I feel like Brandon Staley, he's been logical, but I feel like sometimes he's a little bit too aggressive, and I think he's going to give them at least one in good field position. So Raiders, yeah. All right, well, that's our quick picks. Uh, for those who are counting, that is seven discrepancies between us, so exactly enough for Caleb to win if he's this perfect and I'm, if we're <laughs> perfect. So uh It'll certainly be interesting. I really hope I'm right, at least on the Saints 49ers. The rest I don't entirely care about. Let's go ahead and... uh we'll see. Caleb. So, the Jaguars, they just fired Urban Meyer. I assume they're probably going to eventually fire their GM, whoever the fuck that is. And now, the Khan family has sold the Jaguars to unqualified analysis. What are That's we doing good. to make the Jaguars the greatest franchise in the history of NFL? All right. Well, first things first, you got to fire basically the entire coaching staff. And yeah. I mean, Complete what you're going to probably probably want to do is hire some animals from the zoo. Probably do a better job than what you got in there, right? I mean, they'll coach them mm-hmm, at least mm-hmm. better than what you got. They won't yell at them and call them losers at the very least. If we get some I mean, jaguars in there, they can show them some of the animal instincts, get them a little closer to home, you very know? True. Very true. Teach them Teach them some quickness, too, for when they swipe at their face, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. you want to... That'll teach a whole lot of good reflexes, right? Keep you on your toes at the very least. I think it'll, it'll really give them the want and drive to succeed. I mean, 
you think about it, if you just let the, all those Jaguars onto the field with them, they'll just chase them down the field. I bet those wide receivers can increase their 40 time by, or I guess decrease it by, I'm going to say three tenths of a second. We could see our first sub 440 if uh, only awesome. we had Jaguars as coaches. As for That's the awesome. GM, though, I think we got to get a stone cold killer. I think we got to get like. Uh, Aaron Hernandez? Well, he's dead, so I don't think we're going to be able to get him, but I think we should get I OJ. Mean, we could perform some rituals. I mean, OJ, he he yeah. knows football. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Hey, he knows that how guy, to get away with some sketchy stuff. I'll tell you what, he's got quite a resume out there on social media so far. I mean, I feel like I think every week he kind of puts out his little. Uh, his football takes on Twitter through video. So, I mean, I feel like he's got a good head on his shoulders. He can really bring this franchise to new heights. And, I mean, when that guy's in the building, just look out. The juice is loose. And, I mean, fucking loose. I'll tell you yeah. what, man. Don't fuck with that guy. As far as head coach is concerned, though, I mean, you got to go with the old faithful Dan Mullen, right? I mean, he did so well at Florida. He's an offensive yeah. genius. He's got that bring pipeline in. in Florida. He knows the state so well at this point that I think he could bring him to a new height. You think about it. He dominated the state of Florida when he was at Florida with yeah. recruiting. Just think about it. I mean, think about the, the QB recruits he brought in. All the times he beat Kentucky. Come on, dude. It'd be great. Think about how great it went last time they had a college coach in there. It went awesome, right? Just go ahead. Think about how great it is to have a winner in there. I mean, he rebuilds a program in Mississippi, and then he rebuilds a program again in Florida. It's just, he was too early for that. That's all it was. It's all the Florida boosters, man. They're crazy. So, when we go to quarterback, I think we should bring Jamarcus Russell back. We need a good, strong-armed quarterback to really show everyone what a howitzer actually looks like. Only if the backup is Tim Tebow, because at the very least... Of course, he has to. From a... From a strictly business standpoint, he will put asses in seats. So we do have to have him on the team. He's not good. Probably will never play. Actually, we're we going to sign him tight some end. dude. Yeah, that didn't work out any better, I think. So, I mean, yeah, either way, I think we can just kind of put him at anywhere. He's kind of Taysom Hill, right? He has that, yeah. that same kind of uh, that same kind of way about him as far as like, you know, 4-8 speed, really fast kind of guy. Uh, as far from there... Defensive coordinator, I got to look at a guy like uh, Mike Singletary. You know, he's a guy, honestly, might end up doing a good job in there. But he's a guy, if you got rats in the building, he will sniff them out Mm -hmm. and he will get them out of there. That's one thing that Urban Meyer could never do. I mean, he said that if there was a source in the building that he was fired and done, but sources kept coming out. I think if you got a guy in there like Singletary, he will (laughs) sniff out the rat. Put them to sleep before they even put anything out there. So that's the guy you got to go with. Well, let's finish out the trio. Offensive coordinator. I mean, can it be anyone other than Hugh Jackson? The man was of misunderstood course. in Cleveland. Talk he, about a source in the building. Yeah, I mean, he <laughs> was unheralded in Cleveland, despite making them an unequivocally better team. Without him, they would have won four less games in that tenure. I think that he was misunderstood, and I think that by coming to the Jaguars, he can provide them with a fresh breath of life as a true proven winner yeah and i think just for uh just just to to round this out a little bit you know special teams coordinator i'm gonna go with joe biden because i feel like he'll think just outside of the box enough just as an old man who doesn't really know what he's doing to be a very effective special teams coordinator when it's all said and done you need a guy who's a little bit few screws loose back there you know yeah, and I mean, think about it. If you have Joe Biden coaching your team, that provides instant rep. He knows some we stuff will for be, sure, too. We will be America's team at that point. I mean, how can you have a president as your 
coordinator and not be America's team. That's just that's just it's just un-American. Listen, you got a commander in chief on the sideline. You got the crowd chanting, "Let's go, Brandon." You got all that shit happening around. I mean, you gotta think the guy. The guy has just got what it takes. And being the president, you're privy to some information that I feel like some other coordinators aren't. So I feel like he can bring like maybe that Ernie Adams type of role, guy up, yep. in, old guy up in the sky type of thing, where he just kind of like gets intel and points it out to you. So I feel like we just made a real winner here, but. Uh, I feel like that's about all for this episode, right? That's uh, that's about it. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, leave a five-star rating so we can grow this bad boy a little bit. If you didn't enjoy it, I mean, after that, I mean, how could you not enjoy that? We just created the greatest franchise of all time. So either way, just leave a five-star rating on the way out the door here, okay? Uh, we put out episodes twice a week. Uh, well, I guess... Going forward here, we'll have to see how that works. I mean, we're in the NFL playoffs at this point, so we will recap the uh, the national championship when that goes off. But from here on out, we are NFL Tuesday, NFL on Thursday. I mean, it's just all in that bad boy from here on out here until the end of the season. But outside of that, follow us on Twitter at Caleb Verzak, at Zachary W. Molin. And links will be in the description for that, so you don't have to spell that as well. And... I think I missed a missed a point here, but if you want to send us an email at unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com, just specify first thing up top, uh, all caps, uh, whether it's business or for the show related, and then we can kind of sort you accordingly. Uh, waiting for some of you to talk to me a little bit. I'm a little bit lonely over here. But uh, anyways, thank you for tuning into Unqualified Analysis. And as always, we have zero idea what we're talking about. And I mean, really, just not a whole lot, dude.